So the theme for the afternoon is uh, love and non-self. I would like to uh, begin the talk with you by drawing one aspect, love, uh, area of uh, non-self, one of the most difficult aspects of the Buddha Dharma to uh, understand, and why the two, in the deepest sense, in- inseparably related. In two worlds that uh, you and I move in uh, various uh, uh, ways, the aspect of the area of uh, love touches upon us day in and uh, day out, some more than the other. And I'm just talking about you know, the social context. There is love, clearly, self-evidently, in the popular culture. It would be a rather rare form, be rather rare for there to be the absence of the theme in love in any of the arts, in the entertainment, in what we see and hear and read, in the kind of culture that we live in weaving its way through all of those activities, music, theatre, dance, film, uh, and a variety of other creative expressions that you and I know about, engage in, love weaves its way in. Love is the central force in the human life. A relationship to it is the critical uh, uh, relationship. The other... Still strongly here, very little in Europe, and that is love in its relationship to religious beliefs. Monotheistic religions specifically, Middle Eastern religions more specifically, and Judeo-Christian religion, in which love is said and does play an important part in it. But quite often, with both, that means with popular culture, it's often invariably wrapped up with the story. Maybe a beautiful story, maybe an inspiring story, whether it's in the song, whether it's in the play, whether it's in the ballet, whether it's in the novel, or whatever. It's wrapped up in the story. Religion sometimes wrapped up in the story as well. The story of G.O.D., the story of the book, the story of the master, the story of the avatar, the story of the, the prophet, or whatever. To some degree, in popular culture and in religion, having its benefits in its a reminder of love, how important it is as it fuses its way through human existence. But the underlying and underlying difficulty with it is love has got hijacked. It's been hijacked by religion and it's been hijacked by popular uh, culture. And love itself, as the great potency and human force, needs to be liberated from all that's wrapped around it to rediscover, re-sense, re-feel, relive in a way. The beauty of love, 
the power and its potency in life, in human life, and its expression. And it's going to take a lot of profound interest in this, and critical, when I say critical, I mean critical, that it has to be liberated from the issue of self and other. It's got to be totally liberated. And that's our liberation as well. Because we are creatures of love. More than anything, we are creatures of love. We may betray that love. We may lose sight of it. We may get lost in other pains and hurts and anguishes and anger. But somewhere in the midst of all of this, we've got to rediscover our true nature, which is the nature of being truly loving creatures. Take the example of the self and other. Take a very uh, graphic example and uh, there to, to get the point over a, a little bit for, for you, for us. We live, this is a general, but it matters. We live in a time of what is generally referred to these days in the time of the American Empire, powerful and most dominant force. The British um, well-respected magazine called The Lancet, which is the publication uh, of the, the senior uh, medical publication in the United Kingdom, came out with a report a year or two ago. And in the report, a team of people travelled around Iraq to ask and find out by knocking at many, many homes in every part of the country how many people had actually died in Iraq. Because there was a suspicion that the figures which were being provided didn't reflect the true figures because the figures that were being provided were primarily from the hospitals. And in the question and inquiry, in which most people were able to provide a death certificate in the different parts of Iraq, that the approximate number at that time was 655,000 people in Iraq had died as a result of the invasion by this government and its supporters, such as the United Kingdom. And one can put four to five times that in terms of the number of uh, 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 injuries, loss of limbs, etc. And of course, uh, American personnel and others who have died as well. And one says, this is the other. The other is the people of Iraq. This is the war. And in that dynamic there, what is lost sight of is the love, clearly. And in that loss of uh, love, there is the acceleration, manifestation, and intensification of the self and other. What is that? In the diminishing of love, the power of love, the self and other, to the degree, increases correspondingly. And so we have this brutal situation on Mother Earth, where the most powerful nation on Earth, this country, engages in making war, and a whole community of people, and areas which I know where as a young man, I'm traveling through Turkey, I tra through Iran, 
through Afghanistan, through Pakistan. I know these parts of the world. I go to Israel. I, I meet with the Palestinians in the occupied territories of the world. I have a feeling connection with And in that self-other dynamic which takes place, that construct and view, all the consequences of it that you and I are concerned with, means it causes terrible heartache and pain in Afghanistan, in Iraq, in the Lebanon, in the fears in Iran, in the Sudan, in Syria. And the view in that movement and that dynamic and all the retaliation and the horrendous obscenities that have taken place like make my pilgrimage to the site of 9-11 at every opportunity when I'm in New York. That somehow, in all of that movement and that expression, we as a species, all of us are dehumanized by it. Not just the perpetuators. Not just the two sides. And for some renewal to come in, the issue of self and other the issue of us and them has to lower. It's not about Iraqis and Afghanis and Americans and English or whatever. That's the self and other. Understand? It doesn't matter what the names are of the people. It doesn't matter it's us or them or them or us. It's a matter of something else entering into the engagement which is called love. And that has to be discovered. It has to be, as I say, liberated. Without it, our way of life is less than animalistic. We're a discredit to our species, We're to our community and to ourselves, unless there is love. They say, okay, I have to look at the outside. I can't just pull back and pull into myself to such a degree in life that I can ignore global life. Because I'm a global human being. We're all global human beings. But I also have to take and cognize the self-other dynamic and the place of love in the ordinariness of things. And we've got to keep asking ourselves, what are the ways in my life that the act of love and its potency is actually showing in such a way that it's more important than the self-other dynamic? And, which I'll speak about in a moment or two, the feelings which arise from within. We'll touch upon it in a minute. I just... uh, just had a nice hour talking with uh, Jack, Jack Cornfield, and uh, I, over at lunch together. <clears throat> and Jack and I have um, known each other since uh, we were in the Shaven Headed Club. <laughs> and uh, yellow curtains, as I sometimes call them, <laughs> in uh, Thailand. So we have a long friendship. You know, we're young guys in our mid-twenties. Now we're... You know, a couple of old farts, really. <laughs> well, I speak for myself. 
And, uh, and uh, we'll speak a little bit about the dynamics there, uh, various concerns, of course, Burma, and teaching, teachers, and global situations, etc. And it was heartening to hear that as the centre here expands and develops, that the recognition is entered into it that if there are new buildings for the staff, those buildings will really, really be environmentally friendly. Not just solar panel heating, but at every level of what that can be, how they are placed, where they are placed, the direction they are placed in, the materials which are used, etc., etc. This awareness, I would call the act of love, is an expression of being more, more and more conscious. And the act of love one of the important aspects of this, that you and I, especially here, in this little privileged corner of the world, is going to need to bring much more consciousness to it than is available at the present time. I come here, I you know, love America, but frankly, no, I'm trying to be more kind, <laughs> to talk on love. Sometimes when I am here, I have the feeling I have just gone back, when I come here, if I may say, to the 1970s and 1980s, frankly. I think you're way behind. You're way behind at many, many levels. You're living in the past. I mean, in the English we know, like living in the past. You know, we know that. <laughs> The further into the past, the better for the English. <laughs> Yours is not so far back. Ours is a few hundred years. Yours is 25, but it's long enough. To take a small example, the act of love. In my town, we have four bags which are given. Everybody, citizen in the town has. And in that bag, one is for plastics, everything. One is for food and grass and everything. Everything. One is for glass and bottles. And the other is for paper and cardboard. Every single person in the town has these four bags. And they're constantly being renewed to ensure everything is recycled. Everything. When they come to Spirit Rock, the waste, the blast, those paper cups down the road there in that hell realm. There. The... Uh, the, the lights, the need for solar panels in the buildings, the absence of vegetable gardens, growing everything, instead of bringing it in, coming out and bringing it in. It's like, come on. And it's going to need much more consciousness here. It's going to need a real looking at. Ways to make the act of love towards a real contribution, towards a truly sustainable way of life. It's going to, it's, it's going to take a revolutionary act, acts. So the act of the love, the movement and its expression of, of it, is because love is so important, it wants to care, it wants, it wants to give support. You know, sometimes... You know, in the therapy world, we, we, people will use the word shadow, etc. 
Dharma language would be tendencies, habits, not seeing uh, uh, clearly. And sometimes in our uh, way, way of being, you know, there is a lot of books on mindfulness. I mean, you see, you know, they're everywhere. I'm, I, I've written one. I do apologize. <laughs> and if the same number of books have been written on the power of, uh, of, of profound love, free from culture and free from religion, when we take it from the general, to give you a very small example today, uh, before coming to do the uh, 6.30 sit, I went down to the, the yurt, the, the, where, where the staff had there. So, I went in to make a coffee. One of the nice things you have in the United States is, is half and half. Yeah. <laughs> and I can never make up my mind, is the coffee just to give support to the half and half, or the half and half to give support to the coffee? You know, that's okay. So I switched on the switch down there, and then in the kettle and switched it on. The kettle was boiling, and then suddenly it all went into darkness. There, and and the reason being was that the light was on, the kettle was on, and two heaters were on, and it blew everything. You see, it got overloaded, and it was so. One of the lovely guardian angels was up, then came and sorted it, sorted it uh, all all out. uh, etc. Because making coffee with cold water doesn't taste the same. And it was a slight metaphor. You see, it's a metaphor that if we overload our environment, it's going to completely crash on us. And we don't know how close we are to doing it. And it just takes a variety of the dynamic of various conditions to make it happen. I put on the light switch, I put on the hot water, there are two heaters, uh, uh, which were on, boom, 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 everything collapsed. Our planet is on that kind of edge. One of the leading British scientists said, in the last 65 million years, the biggest crisis on this earth is happening right now. Well, we've got to get out of our identity called an Englishman, called an American. Because that's the self, understand? You've got to get out of it. You've got to lower that world, that self-world. Because that self generates the other. And therefore we've got to start looking from the place of love. Not from the place of identity. Do you get it? You've got to look from the place of love. Not through who I am. Not through who I think I am. Not through who I've been told I am. Not who I believe I might be in the future. I've got to care less for the self, for the other, and take an interest, what is this life? And since love is such a powerful force in life, is, am I, as an authentic human being, being true to the expression of love, and this will be at the expense of self and other? And therefore, the liberation for self and other. The Buddha. Some of you will, um, no, no, you will all, because you're dedicated yogis. 
we'll know of the Buddha's uh, teachings on the divine abidings. Brahma Vihara. And the Buddha, in, in uh, exploration of the human experience, to his credit, takes the emphasis of the gods and the goddesses and all that and addresses love in four areas. Metta, deep friendship, kindness, expressions of love, compassion, love employed to relieve and end suffering, appreciative joy, love of, of the event, love of the human being, love of the creativity, love of the dedication, love of the commitment, love of the flower, love of the dance, love of the yoga of life, and equanimity, upekka, deep peace, a deep abiding in a contentment, the ability to weather the pleasures and pains of life, to be steady through it all. It's a statement of love as well, as well because it's a non-reactive way of being in the world, a non-violent, non-aggressive way. The difficulty beautifully expressed and clearly enunciated in the, in the teaching. And when the difficulties, and in the tradition here, that the love and the potency and the power of it in the self-other dynamic of our everyday life, that the Buddhist world, more than any other, not more than any other, but a fair bit, has not been able to handle very well and effectively romantic, erotic love. It's got a problem with it. Bless it. And what I mean by that is, this is the weakness of the tradition here. The tradition made a, a, a split one of the Achilles heels of the Buddha who I love very much in which a preference was given in the duality of homelessness the free wandering life there were no monks and nuns this is a later agenda the wandering free homeless way of life and the householder the ones who hold to the house there. and in making that preference there, because of the cultural environment of the time, and I don't think it applies today very much. But in making that preference, the outcome of that preference is there is very little real attention, exploration, appreciation, and acknowledgement of the great potency of romantic love as a liberating force for life. It's a great pity. Great pity. That the movement of Eros to engage in life. And when I say that, I'm still with the self-other theme here. What I mean is, yes, it can be taking place between two people, of course. We're all too familiar. But it's more than that. It's the sweetness and the touches of life which carry with it, at times the real flavour of eros, of the romance of life. 
the passion of life, the creative artistic expression of life, the love of life, the poetry of life, the taste of life. And all this is what I mean by the romantic. And one shouldn't underestimate the vulnerability of this to be killed off through work. It's murdered. It gets stifled. Through too much thinking, too much doing, too much running after, and especially the feeling I don't have enough, whatever it might be. And this enslavement to the doing, the having, and the pursuing, to the self and the other, the other might be goods, things, places, prestige, position. The enslavement to the self and other is at the expense of love and equally important, which our poets do genuinely try to keep alive, the actual romance of love, the beautiful flavour of the romantic life. And we get the whispers of it in many, many stories. We get the whisper of it in some of our most cherished literature, in some, some of our most profound plays, deepest communication. And they are very important cultural reminders to us of the potency of love and, to repeat a little bit, the actual romantic element which gives support to it. And if it, that's not registering for us, and it doesn't need a personal relationship for this, by the way, that's still the self and other. If there's a loss of connection and uh, sense for all of this, it's a terrible loss. If we've got no time to enjoy the trees and the flowers and the birds and the nature and the small little details of life. If we've got no, no, no time to, for poetry. It's a, it's a terrible human cost. And therefore I say once again, the self-other dynamic. It's not a matter of a kind of uh, view of non-self, 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 mantra-like enthusiasm. It's a question that something else is deeper in which the, the, the self and other, or us and them, whatever, are part-time players in something, a wider sense of things. When we go to the inner life, one of the great errors of judgment is that we want to feel good about ourselves. Please, please give this up quickly as you can. <laughs> this feeling, this idea, this notion, fed by countless numbers of people, is an injustice to you. It's an injustice to yourself. But the idea and the perception and the view is carried so assertively through the culture and the society that it lands in our conditioning in such a way that we think what life is about is feeling good about oneself. 
And everything else has to be secondary to that feeling. We're slaves to it. We become brutally dependent on this feeling. And when we don't feel good about ourselves, we're running around hither and thither, trying to meet and see and do things and get things and meet with the right people, the right person, the right place, and the right this, the right that, so that we can get back to this feeling of feeling good about ourselves. The wish to feel good about oneself is that which reinforces the not feeling good about oneself. It is the very fuel for not feeling good about oneself. It's sustained by it. All problems of life come from the identification with the good. That's where they emerge. And we want to feel good about ourselves. We can't handle not feeling good or not feeling good about somebody else, the other. And then we start bringing in some kind of practices. Two or three of you have referred to this today of trying to mask it over. So sometimes you, you, you're having a problem with somebody's... You can be on, a, on the retreat here, we know that, my God, you don't have to go to somewhere else. You're having a problem with somebody. So a rather hard view would be towards her or him. Oh, um, oh I really don't like that person. And then we say, oh, no, no, I shouldn't be thinking like that. Very naughty. I have to be a good Buddhist. So then we say, oh, and it's not the person. The person is okay. It's just their behavior that really <laughs> gets me so mad. And you say, oh, no, 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 I shouldn't say that. <laughs> it's not very, very good. This is not meta. It's just their wretched personality. <laughs> you know. Or it's just that their mother didn't love them enough and that's why they're so neurotic. <laughs> so the view, the interpretation comes in which lands and then the memory comes in. And the memory says I should give this person some real loving kindness. I should direct compassion to this person. I want to feel good towards this person. That's the problem. That's the problem. It's a cover-up. It's nice practice. You'll feel good for the next ten minutes. Ten days, ten weeks, nothing, is it? But it hasn't dealt with it. It's used pleasant feelings and some nice views about this person, whatever, or some nice explanation and rationalization. Brought it into consciousness, never mind what the Buddhists tell you, just underneath. Brought it into consciousness, and then said, oh, I wish to feel good about this person. I'll direct metta. It's like a punishment. <laughs> <laughs> I'll direct metta to this person. There. The meta, 
those nice feelings and thoughts that you uh, have <clears throat> will never have the capacity to withstand certain forms of activity and behavior because it's a projection upon and the meta will only last as long as the person doesn't get worse than what they are <laughs> and then you have to do even more meta more, more meta eventually the other person will blow your meta away and you'd just be so absolutely pissed off you wish you never saw that person again because the feeling dynamic either around one self or the feeling dynamic around the other upon which all war and violence and negativity is based it is based on the interpretation of the feeling and the inability to ha handle unpleasant feeling look at look at 9/11 but in two to three months of 9/11 according to the opinion polls more than 90% of this country supported the invasion of Afghanistan because of the obscene behavior of 17 people from Saudi Arabia couldn't handle couldn't find anything another way so as I say in taking the general we look at to the particular in the particular the layers of kindness I do not do not feel is the resolution it's a temporary it's applying a plaster over a deep wound we have to dig deeper than this and when we can dig deeper the love or the meta will come through it's not the application of warm caring feelings runs deeper and what that what that means is as a human being whether the unpleasant feeling or the pleasant feeling is towards so-called myself instead or towards the other self it doesn't matter at all it's not a question oh when I first can feel good about myself then I can feel good about others this is a massive delusion <laughs> because there's no difference between the self and other it will just the movement of the unpleasant will land on one or the other into a fragment or oh, when I feel good about <laughs> so the movement of the feeling here the unpleasant feeling the feeling of not liking it's authentic what we make of it is the critical and the critical is that from what we make of it the self and other will arise if there isn't any wisdom with it sometimes the best response in the world for a human being is not to feel good about something to really not to feel good about something and not in any way to cover it up with nice explanations because the not feeling good about something and to live with the feeling to feel the feeling to let that feeling run deep will bring about its own potential for love 
We've got to be very careful with the feeling life. We're getting terrible messages from people <coughs> who, <coughs> who haven't, gone, haven't gone deeply into themselves. <coughs> and therefore the not feeling good, I don't care what it's about, what the story, what the layers, what goes on top of it, is to be acknowledged. And it's a tr terrible injustice to yourself, to another self, to try to take away somebody's unpleasant feeling, to try to deny it, to refute it, to dismiss it, but taking away the person's authenticity. They'll fight us for it. Have the, have, we have the right, we all have the right to feel not good about things. And we have to listen to that feeling. It doesn't mean to say that the event, the story, the situation which reveals that deep feeling and all that may go with it that we agree with, but the feeling has to be recognized. And an intelligent life, uh, a wise life, is at home with the pleasant feelings of life. And equally at home with the unpleasant. And is very respectful to the authenticity of them both. Because with the movement of life they can be a real release for love. From the most deepest expressions of love in this world have emerged from men and women who were experiencing something that they felt sincerely and deeply about and it was a very unpleasant feeling. We should not mask it over. We don't want to feel good about ourselves and situations all the time. In staying true to love is the liberating force. Supported by religion and hindered by it. Supported by culture and hindered by it. Supported by self and other and hindered by it. That in staying true to love, in the dynamic of self and other, it must, we must find ways in which the movement of the self and other is fundamentally, basically, secondary to the expression of the love. I just had a message from a friend. Unusual? Not unusual. She said, a few weeks ago, European, a relationship started, and she fell madly, deeply in love with somebody, a man. And she thought, she thought, it was reciprocated. And initially it was. And she told me and told friends. Then he just, as these things happen, said to her, he couldn't continue the relationship with all the it wasn't the right time, right place, and, you know, all the mantras. 
And she put in capital letters in the message and email, love hurts. And that's a normal association. You know, falling in love, one is in love, there is a strong expression of love, it doesn't work out, whatever. And in that movement, in the movement of change, all too humanly, the hurt is the loss of the self, or, sorry, the loss of the other. That's the hurt. Love doesn't hurt. Understand the difference? The love doesn't hurt. The love doesn't have the capacity to hurt. The love never hurt anybody. It doesn't know what hurt is even. But the interpretation of love is the love hurts. It isn't the love that hurts, the loss that hurts, the change hurts, the guy's split. That is the hurt. And we've got to find the exploration that makes love so actualized and full. As I said earlier, it's greater than the coming and going of the self and the other. It's liberated from it. And therefore it's a force for our liberation. It's an extraordinary thing, love. Beautiful. In this uh, ex- expression, the expiration of, uh, of love. As we uh, explored a little bit yesterday evening, or in the summing up perhaps, in the inquiry, if as a human being, and in the relationship to this uh, potency of love, and really, as society and culture and religion has said, has put it centre stage, that means you and we've all done it together. And since it's so centre stage, and always has been, then let's, let's say, let's be true to it. Let's really make it centre stage. And if it's really centre stage, such a force that self another, coming and going, personality and behaviour, and all those dynamics are really much less significant because of the love. And then it gains an authenticity to, to it. And there are times in your life and my life when clearly <clears throat> the love is really challenged not because of what it's related to or connected with, but it's challenged through the event, through the change, through the personality. We've got to find ways to make the love much stronger. In, in, in um, Shakespearean England, <clears throat> and maybe it may go back to the, uh, the Greeks, have this word, persona, mask. So in the theatre they put the mask on, it's the persona. And we have become so preoccupied with the persona of ourself or the persona of another, so preoccupied with the behaviour of ourself or the behaviour uh, or other, that our feeling life 
is almost <coughs> dangling on the end of the personality. And when it's like that, the mind, the thought, enters into it, and the measurement of the love starts. No, it's not so easy to follow. Please, please, stop measuring the love. Either it gets measured from the past, with the view, I didn't have enough. What? What? And that view of the mind has the interpretation of the lack of and the consequence of that the self will have to go somewhere to try to secure more for the view there's not enough. Or if it's not going to the past, usually mother, for some reason, gets it. Or father, or some poor sod in the past. And then there's a kind of conspiracy, this is how it is, from people who should know better. Or, the view arises from the thought, the memory and the interpretation, I'm not getting enough love in the present. And once that is identified as a reality, there is no fulfillment of it. Understand? Once I have the view, I am not getting enough love, it cannot be satisfied. It never could be. Because the view cannot dissolve through the self or the other. One might get it for a little while and to be temporarily satisfied so that one feels good about the situation. But it can't be profoundly satisfied because the measurement is still going on. I, I wasn't getting enough love but now finally she's changed or he's changed whoever it might be. And now, I'm getting more. Now I'm really getting a lot. Oh, I still feel so full of love. And all of this is the measuring. And it will change yet again. Whatever. Oh, I really, I, I've, I'm really learning to love myself. Oh. It's a nightmare, this view. I'm really learning to love myself. And now I'm doing this, and I'm doing that, I'm, doing, I'm, I'm really taking care of myself, really learning to love myself. I never used to, you know. <laughs> but ever since I, now I really am. Now I'm feeling really better about myself. And the self and the feelings and the love all get enmeshed in there. It's the perpetuation of the measurement. Not enough. More, plenty, full of it. Oh hell, it's going. It's disappearing. I don't feel loved. I feel rejected. I feel hurt. I feel misunderstood. Oh my God. There is no God. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a vigilance. And the vigilance 
It's the respect and the acknowledgement. This is a feature of the love. For the love, without the measuring. And so when the Buddha speaks of uh, love, of, of metta, of karuna, of mudita, upeka, that means love, friendship, kindness, compassion, appreciative joy, uh, equanimity. He says, to recognize it and uh, see it as immeasurable. And the Buddhists have completely misunderstood this. They think immeasurable is sending it out in all the directions. You know, apart from people one doesn't like. <laughs> no, I'm teasing. So just to sending it out in all the directions, this is immeasurable. We all know it's so easy to love the whole world and hate our neighbours. Immeasurable is that the love is not to be measured. It's to be revealed, it's to be expressed. When, when sending out in all, all the directions, one tends to think time and space. North, you know, like the Buddhists would do, north, south, east and west, you know, in all the directions, you know. However, the young and the old, and the, who are the other poor devils? The, 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 the short and the fat, and the tall and the thin, and the men and the women, and uh, what else? Oh yeah, the friendly, the, uh, uh, the, 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 the strangers, and all those other swines. Whatever. That's all the directions. That's how it gets viewed, in that, in that nice, nice, terribly, 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 terribly nice way. One has to get deeper than the message of, uh, of uh, 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 what love is. In terms of it going out in all, all the directions, it's got to be free uh, to uh, move. It's got to include in it the romantic and the, and the erotic. It's a part of love. Sexual life has to be included much more center stage than what's often acknowledged. In the moving into uh, uh, the, the different directions, it means putting it into places where you've never taken it before. It means courage. It means a taking of risks. It means going beyond what the self would like. It means learning to stay true to something as the act of love. And then we say, ah, this is what it means by all directions. It's not just time and spatial. It's where we've never been before. Where we as human beings really have the capacity to go. Whoa. And we're not going to put the measurements on it. We're not going to let a word come out of our mouth and say, I didn't receive enough love. Or I received enough love. Or I need more love or whatever. And if our loved ones stay with us, fine. And if they go, fine. We stay true to love. We don't stay true to holding people to stay with us. Why should they? Who the hell do we think we are that somebody should stay with us for longer? We have no right over people. People must be free to move, free to stay and free to go. If we stay true to love, it's okay. If we don't, then all we stay true to is the mind's holding.
we stay true to the love. In the exploration, it's important, uh, as a liberating force, acknowledging the place of uh, culture, as I mentioned, acknowledging the place of religion, as I mentioned, acknowledging the place of our practices, uh, as, I, as I mentioned. Be careful with your view. Now, class, go back to uh, uh, relationships. Some of you are here in uh, relationships. Some of you in uh, personal relationships. Whoever it might be. Some of you uh, not in a relationship. And some of you don't know if you've been in a relationship. You're in a relationship or not. And some of you <laughs> was at the beginning of the retreat and won't be at the end. And some of you weren't at the beginning of the retreat and then in a relationship at the end of it. All, all human life is here, you know. <laughs> to watch the view. Two people get close. Romantically close, maybe. Friendship close, maybe. They connect. They gel together. Maybe very strong. Very intense. The view of those who are around easily, easily can be cynical. Oh, it's not going to work out. It won't last. She's to this. He's to that. Those two guys are to this. These two women are to that. This group is to this. The views come in. And then if something doesn't last, like I mentioned with the, the good lady, then those self-righteous, mind-only people will say, I told you, and you wouldn't last. The culture's too different between them. Um, when I hear, oh, the age gap. Oh, the power imbalance. Or one's had a better education than the other. Or their life is so different from each other. Da, da, da. All this is the view, the view. And the view is undermining the love. Who the hell are we to tell two other people or a group of people whether or not they should be together? And when it doesn't work out, oh, I knew it wouldn't work out. I told you so, says mummy and daddy. <laughs> It doesn't matter that it didn't work out. It's not the point. The point is that the love manifested. The point is that there was a powerful meeting. The point is that the two people really enjoyed each other. The point is that love expressed itself. That's the point. It doesn't matter whether it's for the rest of the life or for the rest of the night. It expressed itself. We've got to get clear out the baggage of the measuring that goes upstairs with our friends, with our loved ones, with our children, or, 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 what, or whatever. We've got to let the love there. Of course the self and other will come in. Of course mistakes will come in. Of course things will fall apart. Of course, of course. But it's the authenticity of the love that matters, short or long. To have lived is to have loved. 
May all beings live with love. May all, all beings see deeply into things. May all beings live a liberated life. Let's have a quiet minute or two, shall we?